0: is Kristen Hedgecock. And I'm Ash Matson. You're listening to
1: Apta Sophia, which means useful wisdom in the pursuit of biblical womanhood.
0: Welcome to Apta Sophia. My name is Ash Matson. I'm here with my co-host Kristen Hedgecock. Hello. 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 And we are starting a two-part episode series on the myth of neutrality. There is yes. no such thing There's as no no neutrality. Such thing. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, but before we do that, we want to touch on the most important thing that we do on any episode, and that is our "Would You Rather" question. So, Kristen, for your birthday, would you rather have no cake or no gifts? No cake. No cake? Are you, is is gift giving a love language of yours? Um, I would
1: say it's more of a love language than food is for me. <sighs> Like really... I'm disappointed, like I, but I, I'm
0: intrigued. <laughs>
1: yeah, disappointed. I mean, my ultimate love language, I think, is more like time. So, yeah, which was not an option in the Would You Rather. So then my next one would be gift giving. Okay. Or I like to receive gifts. I'm a horrible, horrible gift giver. Why? Why? Because I don't... When I see something that I think somebody would like, I don't buy it. And then when it comes time like for their birthday or for Christmas or whatever, then I can't, one, remember the thing that I saw. And two, then I'm just like, I don't really know what they like. I'm just not that astute enough, I think, to like notice what people like and don't like. I'm just, I'm really horrible. My husband can attest. I'm just like just put whatever it is that you want in the Amazon cart and then I'll choose one of those things and then ask the price. Like that's how I prefer, just send me a list because I'm not very good at guessing. Like it's a total, it's a thing. I'm I'm sorry to all my friends who expect more of me.
0: But you like receiving
1: gifts. But I love receiving gifts. Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, and then, so are you... If someone doesn't give you a gift on a special day, are you, are you butthurt about it? Um, no. Mm -mm. I'm noting for later. (laughs) (laughs) I guess
1: it depends on the, I'm more upset if I don't get a phone call than I am if.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Or a text, like just some acknowledgement. It doesn't have to be a gift. Like I said, like just the time, the time factor, like the just the thoughtfulness that it took for you to like take the 30 seconds out of your day to like just happy birthday. Yeah. Means more to me than if you were to get me a gift.
0: All right. Well, here's what I can promise you. I will remember sometime around your birthday to say happy birthday to you.
1: Do you know when my
0: birthday is? Oh, uh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. I forget everyone's I birthday. Everyone's birthday. Okay. I forget my own wedding anniversary. Dude. On my 10 year wedding anniversary, Ryan and Ryan and I were just chilling. Ryan and I just sitting around the house and my yeah. mom texts me and says, "Happy anniversary." <laughs> Neither one of us remembered that it was our anniversary and we were like, "Oh yeah." Oh, oh 10 years. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. That's about as important as like holidays rank yeah. on my yeah. Yeah, I know when Christmas is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> other than that, so well, yeah, and if you quiz me on your birthday, you could tell me now, and I promise you I will forget by next year. No, I'm horrible. See, I don't even I yeah. don't even follow
1: my own advice to myself because I don't remember friends' birthdays.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I have a really good friend that we've been friends for 20, twenty years. And I the only reason why I know her birthday is October twenty-third. Is because my husband's birthday is August twenty third, and I can remember twenty three.
0: Like I know, I I like your birthdays,
1: and I know like generally the month.
0: When do you think my birthday is? I think it's in March. No, No? it's an M month though.
1: May. May. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, See, I failed. Yeah. Yes. Nope, this you whole time.
0: You got me a Target gift card for my birthday though, what? and I love that. That was very thoughtful.
1: Oh, I also right. got a Taco Bell gift card,
0: <laughs> and I used it. Re- yeah. Real quick.
1: <laughs> that's yes. right. No, now I remember. <clears throat> yeah, now I remember. Yeah, like, I had a Nacho Libre themed party. No, we have two other friends that are March birthdays. Yeah, that I can't.
0: I can't. I see. I couldn't even remember a birthday month with Pro you. tip: throw yourself a birthday party. There you go. This is like the hack for all holidays. If you have expectations for any holiday and you're gonna get butt hurt if somebody doesn't do a thing for you,
1: I don't think you can say wh- butt hurt anymore. Butt
0: hurt? Yeah. Oh, why? <laughs> Who took that word away from me? <laughs> I just said it several times in the yeah. episode, so all right, you can at me if you want. Don't at Kristen. <laughs> I, I feel like butt hurt is okay. Um, if you get offended, if you get offended. Um, for some reason, because someone forgets, especially your husband, make the day whatever you want it to be for yourself. There you go. And don't have expectations. Mm-hmm. I think this is a womanly thing. Like we yeah. get it built up in our heads how we want things to be. Yeah. And then we and get then it super bummed happen. about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I'm not even super about my birthday, but from here on out, I'm going to decide like what would be a really fun party to have. And I'm just going to throw my own birthday. Good. This last, this last birthday, my 34th. I loved it. It was so fun. I had my friends come over and watch Nacho Libre with me (laughs) and I had a nacho bar and everybody had to dress up like wrestlers Uh with household items. Yep. It was really great. Okay. Okay. What kind? So, do you like cake? Um, I'm
1: not. I'm not crazy about it. Like, I will eat it, but I'm more. I'm like pies. Like, if you made me a birthday pie, I would take a birthday pie.
0: That doesn't like ring. That doesn't have a good ring to it. Mm, I know. Birthday pie. Birthday pie. What kind of pie?
1: Any like.
0: Probably. Any pie, I doubt that. There's some weird pies. Mincemeat, you want me to true. bring one of those over for you? It's not bad. <laughs> I've never It's had not it. my favorite. This sounds gross. Is there um, really meat in it? Is there what? Meat and mincemeat pie. Yeah. Gross. I would say
1: blackberry is Ooh. probably my favorite flavor
0: of pie. That's legit. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll accept you. it. Um, cake. Cake. Yeah, I do not care about gifts at yeah. all. At all. Uh, no. <laughs> Couldn't care less. Uh, but I really care about having cake, and I also will go get my own cake Good. happily, and I yeah. will eat probably the whole thing by myself. <laughs> I And it cannot be. I will tell you one thing. If you ever get me a cake that has whipped cream frosting on it, I am insulted to the depth of my being. It is... It is a, char- it's a charlatan. It is not a real <laughs> frosting of any kind. It's like biting into a chocolate chip cookie and finding that there's raisins, which are also offensive. They're like little grape skeletons. I love ra- oatmeal you love raisin, raisin You oh. like oatmeal raisin cookies. The ones from And you Costco, want a birthday pie. And I want a birthday pie. This is where the show ends, my friends. Uh, b- weird. The band is breaking the up. The band is breaking up. <laughs> it's a crack. Yeah. I want cake of any kind so long it has is a... So long as it has buttercream frosting on it. Yeah. And no raisins.
1: Yep. So no carrot cake. What about carrot cake?
0: Carrot cake is okay if it doesn't have raisins and if it doesn't have any any detectable (laughs) carrots. I will eat carrot cake as long
1: as it doesn't have carrots in it (laughs) or any of the things that make it carrot cake.
0: Well, you know how people try to keep it like you Healthy. know, they do the like Don't thicker stri- thicker yeah, like I shreds totally of do. carrot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would much and prefer then you're like... you pur- puree that stuff yeah. and put the carrot in so that it's like that <clears throat> I want it to to taste like it came out of a box. <laughs> 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 that kind of carrot cake. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is I always do box cake for birthday cakes because yeah. it's so much easier and then I can spend the time decorating. Yeah, me yeah. too.
1: Um well, in Especially since one of our kids is like needs gluten free mm-hmm. products. I can't I can't make gluten free cake and have it taste good and the texture be right. Right. And I'm like, why am I stressing? Go get a box. They have boxes gluten-free. They totally have boxes is gluten-free. It, what is it good? It is not all created equal. So there's certain brands that are way better than other oh. brands. Um but the brand that, and I can't remember because I can only remember what the picture of the box looks like. I think it's like Nana's, I don't know, Nana's gluten-free chocolate cake. But anyway, it's really good. And you wouldn't even know that it was gluten-free, which is always a bonus with gluten-free stuff. So I don't even attempt anymore because it's just an epic fail. Yeah, And... Yeah, Knox, he <clears throat> loves, he is big. Like, the decorations are, like, a big thing on the cake. Like, he does not want me to buy a cake. Mm-hmm. I have to decorate it myself. It's Interesting. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's cake it is. That's really sweet. <clears throat> uh, did you know, <clears throat> you know whose birthday it is soon? It's a special so I'm like <laughs> making you sweat Winter, I'm like well it's not Winter's yours Winter's turning one No Next Thursday No she's not Yes So How? that means I was pregnant When we started recording That's the true. episode So we've been doing We're this a for year. a year You're right Which is crazy pants Because usually most crazy ideas that I get I don't follow yeah. through on
1: <laughs> Looks like we made it yes.
0: <laughs> And my son is still awake right now
1: Oh Binky
0: Binky get in bed my love So
1: Look how far we've come, oh baby.
0: Are you singing country? I am. Ugh, Shania. Shania, is that Shania? Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. That was you the only... Even I don't even know. I don't know country. <laughs>
0: I that was Shania. But yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, that is it for uh, this, this episode's Would You Rather. Go to our Facebook or Instagram, find the post, and weigh in if you haven't already. And Cade, Kristen's son, actually... Mm-hmm. Provided us with the would you rather for our next show. Shout out for Kate. Shout out, Kate. What's up? So, um, this is also food related. Would you rather have something different for every meal that you've never had before or have a favorite meal for every meal? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. The would you rather question is Would you rather have something different for every meal that you've never had before or have your favorite meal for every meal for the rest of your life? You wrote tour instead of your.
1: Whatever. <laughs> it's like, I was texting. <laughs> Just,
0: whatever. Just nosedived. That Just point. nosedived. All Sorry. All right, cool. <laughs> so we wanted to dive into um, a couple episodes on the myth of neutrality and how we have bought the lie as Christian women and the various realms of our lives that this impacts. Um from education to parenting, um, evangelism, our political positions, uh, all of those things. But before we get into it, Kristen, this was kind of your brainchild to start because of a conversation that you had with someone you know. Yeah. Um, so what what prompted you to want to look into this and also um, why do you think it's important for us to talk about it now?
1: Sure. Well, the conversation was actually with my hairdresser, and she, I, even though I've been seeing her for like three years, four years, and I talked about homeschooling, I don't think she put it together that I was a Christian or whatever, um, I don't typically talk about religion and politics with my hairdresser, So <laughs> but anyway,
0: it came wait up. Until yeah. Wait until after the haircut. Yeah. I wait until after. So they don't just cut a out of the back. Yeah,
1: she's super cute, vegan, your very typical, like um, Seattleite single single lady. Anyway, very nice. But somehow it came up again that I homeschooled and so she was asked me more about it. And then she's like, wait a minute, are you like super religious? And I was like, Oh man, here it comes. Well, what do you mean by that? And she's like, Do you go to church, force your kids to go to church too? And I was like, uh, well, yes, I go to church and my kids come to church with me, and it's, you know, a family thing that we feel, yeah, convicted about. And she's like, Oh, aren't you afraid that they're going to rebel and that you're just kind of like cramming religion down your throat or down their throat and you know wouldn't don't you want them to go to like public school and just, you know, really find out for themselves who they are and and maybe she mentioned neutrality, I don't remember exactly, but anyway, that's where she was going like that that's the place where you go where there's just this neutral ground to like explore yourself and explore what you know or what you don't know. And there's just this place called called public school mm-hmm. that you go and do that. And me, I'm forcing a worldview down my children's throat, in her words, by keeping them home and then taking them to church. Mm-hmm. Which she doesn't realize is she's also forcing a worldview onto me, which is don't homeschool your kids. Or she didn't say that, but don't force your religion, you know, take them, force them to go to public school. Right. As if, like, that is actually a neutral thing. So then Ash and I started talking about it. And I've had multiple conversations with Christian parents regarding Christian education and just that. I have a very strong conviction that all Christian children should be um, and have a Christian education.
0: And in her conversation with you, she's like lauding the virtue of neutrality. Right, yeah. But in her statements to you, she's already presupposing that your worldview is false. Correct. Or there would be no reason for her to say, You know, shouldn't they find out for themselves? She's saying, you know, you wouldn't say that about the law of gravity. You wouldn't say that about, like, how could you tell your kids that they have to drink water or they will die? Right. Like, these are all objective truths that we know about the universe Right. that she would never have any issue with. In fact, if you didn't tell your kids those things, she would think you were a bad mother. Correct, yeah. But in this case, she's presupposing that your belief in Christ is, is wrong. Not warranted. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's false. It's false. It's just pie in the sky fairy tale land type right. stuff. Mm-hmm. And so she's saying, you know, how could you do that? Like, yeah. you know, like why would you
1: force your truth? It's not their truth. <laughs> why would you force your truth onto your children? Right. When like you were saying, no, I believe that all of Christ, all of God and all of his principles are truth because he says that they are. You know, his word says it. We can, we can see that. We can read that. And so just like the law of gravity, I'm going to teach them when you drop something, every time it will fall. Right. I'm going to teach that with conviction as much as I teach Christ is Lord.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that's a good starting place because generally as a culture, there is um, the virtue of this supposed neutrality or not having a bias, um, which is essentially saying that you can't make a real stand on truth in any, like, absolute objective way. We can use the word truth. We can say, well, this is what I believe is true. But if you go so far as to say, therefore, mm-hmm. the opposite is wrong, correct, everybody gets their hackles up. Right. So um, it's important for us to talk about this because... Relativism has, has stripped truth of any real meaning. Um, and we're living in a relativistic society where each individual has their own version of truth or is entitled to their own version of truth, which is generally based on somebody's emotions or experiences. It's made us all really soft and easily offended by any criticism or correction. And we also have an incredibly high moral view of self. Um, and we don't like to hear that anything that we're doing morally could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So going beyond just you know, truth claims, if you say morally, I believe, that this is objectively wrong, people get upset because they don't want to be sitting under judgment. It's because we're, we've put ourselves in the seat of God. Correct. We've said, you know, um, I, I am going to live up to my own personal subjective standards and if you hold me to any standard above and beyond that, how could you? You know, I'm going to get really angry with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the church has slipped into this in many ways, Um, and I believe that in many cases the church has gone here because we want to appeal to the culture, in part because we believe that the issue is that the unbelievers don't have enough evidence to believe, and if we can just appeal to their reason, they will come to our side instead of acknowledging what Scripture says, that they're hostile to God and cannot come to Him. So we play by their rules, thinking that it will give us an advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, We're really intimidated by the claim that we are irrational and that our faith is a blind faith Mm -hmm. and that the reasoning ones are really the secularists. And so... um, I think we, you know, also the claim that we've inherited our faith from our parents, it's not our own, that mm-hmm. we're not thinking people. And I think part of the reason we're intimidated by that is because we haven't been a thinking people as a church for a long time. We don't really know how to answer unbelievers. And so we come at them and we say, okay, I'm going to play on your field by your rules in order to win you over. Right. And that's not helpful to anybody. So it's definitely important for us to talk about this now. Um <clears throat> Let's talk about what neutrality is. What are we talking about when we say neutrality?
1: I would say neutrality is you're trying to come from a place that's like amoral. Um, neutrality is you're trying to come from a place where you can rightly and perfectly create a judgment about something. Um, and yeah, I guess that's how I would define neutrality, and did you have a n- anything that you wanted to add to that
0: so one thing we i think neutrality is really just dis- talking about uh theologically mm-hmm. and morally, yeah um when someone like Everyone has a worldview. And what that means is that everybody, including the hairdresser, has presuppositions about the world that they live in. Mm-hmm. It's at the core of who they are. And we know that from Scripture, and we know that from experience. And so— um that Those presuppositions and that worldview is kind of the the lens, or if you think about putting on a pair of glasses, through which they see everything that they encounter in the world, including evidences. It's the way that they reason. It's the way that they deal with truth claims. It's the way that they function morally. All of those things are informed by this worldview. And there's really no way to get around having one. Um, and it's basically like your, your base, like fundamental presuppositions about the nature of reality, the nature of truth, um, any moral standard that you might have. Um, Greg Bonson gave a really good uh, example in a lecture that we were listening to about, you know, you could say you could make a machine for sorting apples Mm -hmm. and you could try to make a machine that sorted the good from the bad. Well, you would have to have some standard of good by which to determine which apple was going to be where. And so there really is no escaping that each person has a standard by which they're measuring everything by. Right. Um, and what people would like to say is that they're they're separately from this worldview. They're reasoning to it. Mm-hmm. So they're encountering um, evidences or things externally, and then they're saying, okay, so this is how I know these things. And it's really the opposite. Um, so one thing that we're not talking about is, like, it's impossible to be neutral when it comes to... You know, um, something like, what part of Cabo I prefer when I'm traveling there? Well, I've never been there, so I can't, I'm not gonna make an informed decision on that. I can be neutral on that. Like, I don't have a preference because I've never been there. We're talking about things that biblically we know that the unbeliever cannot escape, Mm -hmm. and that is that um, they know that the Lord is there, Mm -hmm. they are not neutral in regards to his lordship. Um, they're not neutral in regards to their position with him relationally. There's no, like, you're either in relationship with the Lord or you're an enemy of the Lord. There's no third camp where you're just neutral and you just didn't have enough information. We'll read some some scriptures dealing with that too. Um, there was a really good quote from Greg Bonson. Um, so worldview is, yeah, how we see reality, what we know about reality, and how we should live. Mm-hmm. Um so here are a few scriptures that we can go to that kind of support this um, this claim that we're making here that nobody is really neutral in spite of what they tell you. So we have Romans Romans uh, chapter 8, uh, verses 7 and 9. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And this is, if you read this whole passage, it's in con contrast to being in the spirit. Like you either have the Mm -hmm. spirit indwelling you. So walking in the spirit is not something that an unbeliever can do. They're either, they either have the spirit indwelling them and they're regenerate or they're walking in the flesh. Mm -hmm. So any person who's not been regenerated, who does not have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, their mind is is, uh, set on the flesh and is hostile to God. So it's not neutral. They may say, "I don't really have any feelings about the God of the Bible. that's that's not true. I don't I don't mean to say that they're actively trying to lie to you, but they they don't know what we know about the depths of their heart and their nature. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So when they ask you to be neutral in regards to your approach, to the Lord mm-hmm. in order to reason to Him, in order to bring your children to Him. They are not. No one is. Right. We need to believe Scripture in this regard. Um, the law is written on their hearts. They're not morally neutral. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them On the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. There's no, like, I didn't have enough information, therefore I will be exempt from this judgment. There's no, I didn't know. It's written on their heart. And this is one thing, like, somebody can say, these are my presuppositions, they can say with their mouth. And this is what you'll find with a lot of relativists, especially, like, people who say that, you know, there is no objective, absolute moral standard. Morality is subjective. And they, they will be logically astute enough to say, well, this is what I'm left with because of my naturalism, my atheism. Um, but then you say, okay, well, you know, if I punch you in the face and steal your wallet, that was a morally neutral act. It's just something you didn't prefer. Like, no, they would go right. and seek justice. If there was no um, government there to avenge them, they would probably seek vengeance on their own. And it, mm-hmm. we know In the depth of our hearts, stealing is wrong, murder is wrong, rape is wrong. And even if you're on the wrong side of that, if somebody does it to someone you love, you're like, that's an injustice. So we know it's written on our hearts. It's like, um, I don't know if I've said this in a podcast episode before, but I've used it in evangelism and it's really helpful. If somebody says, I'm not afraid of spiders, and then a spider crawls across their knee and they pee their pants and scream and run out of the room, it doesn't matter what they said with their mouth. Right, you know they're afraid of spiders. Their behavior exemplified that, and that's what happens with the unbelievers. So they can say, you know, I believe that, you know, like my my moral standards are just for me. So whatever I believe about human sexuality, whatever I believe about X Y Z, that's just for me. Mm-hmm. You do you. I don't have to have any opinion on that. You know, like live your best life. That t- that mm-hmm. type of thing. There's no. They know that morality doesn't function that way. Um. And then this is the big one that I know you guys have all heard, but it's so worth reading through, Romans 1. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, humanism, and birds and animals and creeping things. The Bible doesn't say humanism. I'm just putting that in there. <laughs> Therefore, God gave them up to the less, less of their hearts to impurity, in the less of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. This is all active guys exchanging the truth about God and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen little side note here when an atheist says i have no god yes man is their god they are their own god correct there is no like i'm not a, i'm not a theist right you are a theist you are your own deity mm-hmm. you're saying there's no one above me that rules me mm-hmm. but you're putting yourself in that position so when it says here man and creature you can worship man And um, I forget when I was reading through this. Somebody on Facebook had like a read, through, I think it was, I think it was Sierra Wiley, like read through Romans one every day for 30 yeah. days or something. Yeah. And I think I did it a few days, not the whole, yeah. whole shebang, but man, reading through this, you know, I kind of clung to, you know, like what is known about God is clear. clear make mm-hmm. clear to them, right? right? But there are so many parts in this passage where you see they know they know it's like this active, mm-hmm. suppressing, exchanging, mm-hmm. um choosing yeah. almost, yep. and I think that um it it is important to be careful here and say that we think that people are self-deceived and not actively in every circumstance. There are people that know, and they just run from mm-hmm. the Lord. but um. When someone says, you know, like, well, I don't know if God exists, I wouldn't get in their face and say, Liar!
1: You do too no. You're a liar. It says and in you're, Romans you know, one, you know. And you're just
0: not telling me. Like, I'm right. sure they believe that they don't believe Yeah,
1: they're self-deceived, yeah. But like they're self-deceived.
0: Yeah. It's this, you know, innate mm-hmm. thing in them. Um and then this really stuck out to me because we're doing the Bible reading challenge. Um, and we were reading through John and Genesis for the first part of it. So Um, When I was reading this the other day, it just really resonated with me. Um, So this is John 18, verse 37 and 38. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And that's just so Mm -hmm. indicative of our culture. Yeah. But it's truth. How can we know it? Jesus says, you know, yeah. I am the way and the truth and the life. Mm-hmm. Anyone who is of the truth listens to me, right. and the response from the culture is, "What is truth? What is truth? What is truth?" Yeah, just this dismissive. Yeah, uh, you know, like like it says in Romans, the sun. yeah, like God is giving them up. Yeah, to a debased mind, to yeah. the the foolishness. Yeah.
1: They're depraved
0: mm-hmm. of their own reasoning because yeah. that's what they chose for themselves. So. Um, there is no such thing as neutrality and, um, you know, we could take this episode in a lot of different directions in regards to really diving into apologetics and, um, presuppositional apologetics. And I think we're going to do that in a future episode. Our pastor is like,
1: yeah. Precept. Take the stage. He, yeah.
0: yeah. He can, <laughs> can precept our faces off. So yeah. <laughs> we would like to have an episode with him um, eventually talking about these things, but we kind of wanted to talk about all the different ways that this uh, myth of neutrality has crept into the church and also into our lives as um, as wives and mothers. Um, so one, one question that I think is really important. So we're talking about how just logically it's not possible, functionally especially, it's not possible. Also, biblically, it's not possible for any of us to be neutral, morally, theologically, Mm -hmm. in regards to what we know innately about the world and about these things. But why shouldn't we even try to be neutral? I think that's a really good thing Mm -hmm. for us to touch on. (sighs)
1: I... (laughs) This is going to be a circular argument, but like because we're not like God did not create us to be to be neutral. We you had shared the scripture like we are either at enmity with God or um, we are a friend of God, right? Like um, what scripture was that? But yeah, we He didn't create us to be neutral. Um, he created us to. You know what? What is the chief end of man? Right, um, he created us to glorify and enjoy him forever, which is not a neutral thing that that you're doing. You're you're saying something about who is Lord and who who you are serving and who deserves to be served. Um, yeah.
0: Um, I wanted to read First Peter three. 15.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good one. I had that one down um,
0: because this is. This is something that we always kind of truncate, I think, in mm-hmm. our understanding of it. Um, have no fear of them, those who, who would cause you to be suffering for righteousness' sake or unbelievers. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Mm-hmm. Always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. There is there is a dishonoring of the Lord, and I want to be careful because I used to—when I when I first became a Christian and I started doing street evangelism, I did, like, homeless ministry, and I was sharing the gospel in the street a lot, and then I ended up going into, um, like, abolition work and doing ministry out on the street, like, at the abortion mill and also um, just kind of on, on the sidewalk, and— I approach things from an evidential perspective of, okay, I'm going to appeal to the reason of the unbeliever first Correct. Um, yeah. and say, okay, you clearly just need more, like treat them as though they just need more information. If they right. just had the right argument. If they were just educated. Yeah. Right. And if I just told them the right thing, maybe they don't know mm-hmm. and this will cause them to come mm-hmm. and repent. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a place for evidences in evangelism, sure. but are those the thing that wins the person over? So there, that in itself, I think, is a dishonoring of the text of Scripture mm-hmm. because we're disbelieving the Scripture when it says that the Holy Spirit is the thing that changes a person's disposition towards the Lord from hostility to submission.
1: Right, so you're not even saying—
0: Um.
1: Ah, never mind.
0: Yeah, or um, that the Holy Spirit—what was I going to say? Yeah, and also we're disbelieving—sorry, we're also disbelieving the Scripture in regards to um, believing what it says, that they, they know, they have no excuse. It's not that they don't have enough information. hmm and so and and also that the the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's not evidences about um you know archaeological proofs for the Old Testament stories or the transmission and translation of scripture or um you know uh, the Shroud of Turin or fulfilled prophecies. All of those things are wonderful. I don't know about the Shroud of Turin. I'm not just, that was one of those things when I was in my dispy days that I was like, oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> it's the Lord. I like how you're an old lady in your dispy days. <laughs> I,
0: like, you, I feel like it's like assemblies of God. Like, yeah. Oh old old timer type. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, but beyond that, we tend to come to people and say, I am a rational person. Mm-hmm. If you show me, I I mean, I swear I've said this and Lord help me. If you show me the right evidences and you can disprove, if you can disprove Mm -hmm. what I'm saying to you Mm -hmm. by evidences, I will walk away. How horrible. Just thinking about that makes me want to like cry. It's horrible. Or like, um, you know, uh, well, I'm not, I'm pretty sure. I'm as sure as I could be. But this fear of saying, no, I'm certain because the Holy Spirit, Certain. Mm-hmm. I believe the scripture that the Bible is God's word because the Holy Spirit has caused me to believe that. Mm-hmm. That's what Scripture says is necessary. That's what the Westminster Confession says is necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go and read that in just a sec because I think it's really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But um, it's abandoning. It's abandoning Christ and saying, "Okay, He may or may not be on the throne." Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm willing to kind of put God on the stand. Mm-hmm. and test him mm-hmm. instead of the other way. Right. Like I'm I'm coming to this with a place of submission to the Lord. Right. It's also misunderstanding the point of evangelism altogether. And the point of like this trickles down into everything. So I know I'm focusing on evangelism now, but it's misunderstanding evangelism as like my goal is to go and get as many people saved as possible. God does the saving though. And our primary goal when we're evangelizing, is honoring the Lord and bearing witness to the Lord Jesus. That's it. Mm -hmm. And you do it faithfully, Mm -hmm. and you do it the way that Scripture says. And if you don't see people coming, that's not on you. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're a total jerk and you don't know what you're doing, maybe. (laughs) I mean, like, if you're out there calling people names and, like, you know, just, like, yeah, being horrible, like yes. But I mean, other than that, if you're if you're doing what Scripture says, right. and you're you're confronting people with the Word of God, you're sharing the gospel with people, you're being faithful to mm-hmm. the Lord in regards to how you speak of Him, and you're just not seeing people come. Mm-hmm. Those people are not coming right in front of you, and that's okay.
1: Right. Yeah. So
0: I think it's just yeah.
1: Yeah, we need to make sure that we understand who salvation belongs to, and it doesn't belong to street evangelists. It doesn't even belong to pastors. It doesn't belong to apologists. It belongs to our Lord. Right. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people have great success with this evidential approach. Sure. And I, I I have respect for these people, so I want to be careful because I'm not, I'm not coming at this from a position of like, you know, like you're dishonoring the Lord. How could you? Like, I've been in those shoes and I've Mm -hmm. followed those people. I've been very like moved and impressed with their work and their sincerity and their love for the lord mm-hmm. um but what happens when you win someone over by your evidences is that mm-hmm. the second some external extra biblical evidence comes in or some clever argument from an atheist or from a pagan mm-hmm. comes in right their their feet are swept out from underneath right. them because yeah. the thing that was securing them to the lord was not genuine like in not saying in every case but yeah. may not have been genuine like regeneration right
1: well and yeah i mean it can shake yeah when when your foundation is based upon just the best evidence and then an atheist or scientists or whatever whoever come to you and are like the flood couldn't have happened because I found this bone that says it didn't right that shakes you instead of like no, the flood happened because God said it happened, and I believe every word in the Bible is true, right, like it just it it shakes it 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 doesn't shake you, it doesn't affect you the same way, right yeah,
0: yeah, and but that's what that's what the world wants you to do, right because they and this is this noble thing where they're saying you know you're not actually a reasoning thinking person mm-hmm. if you are not using your reason to make your way to God. And if you're not willing to go wherever the evidence takes you, right, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But one thing that um, that I heard, I'm going to keep referring to Greg Bonson because he takes these concepts and he makes mm-hmm. them so like uh, practical and clear mm-hmm. to someone yeah. like me. I heard about him through Apologia. I learned about this through Apologia Radio, Um, Apologia Ministries, just incredible resource. Um, If you want to learn about presuppositional apologetics, just about this approach to apologetics and the Christian worldview, please go watch Jeff Durbin's videos. He is like, I mean, Greg Bonson is wonderful, but Jeff Durbin has just done so much work um, through his team and Apologia Studios to... um, Post videos of him evangelizing so you can see how these things are applied and it will make sense to you that way. He's done lectures in front of people. It's all mm-hmm. there. It's wonderful. Um, so I don't we I'm I'm standing very clumsily and <laughs> brutishly on the shoulders of some really wonderful people who you really should go and listen to if you want to know more about this. But one of the things that has made sense of this is that. Um, all truth claims are ultimately like self-attesting, like self-affirming in that the unbeliever will say, you know, here's truth claim A. Like, I think this is true. And you would say, well, why do you think that's true? And they would say, well, because of truth claim B. And Mm -hmm. you'd say, well, why do you think that's true? And they'd say, well, because of truth claim C. And then all of these things would build on each other. But if you you think about this, this could go back infinitely Mm -hmm. until you ran out of evidence. Mm-hmm. Everything is ultimately based on like a self-attesting, self-affirming presupposition. Like mm-hmm. you have to make an assumption somewhere because we're limited. We're finite. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're only like, if you're limited to your own self and other humans, that's all you have. So unless you're appealing to the Lord outside of space and time, always existing, all powerful, all knowing, all good, like, would not deceive, like all of these things. Mm -hmm. That's all you're left with. And so they would say, how can you say that you're going to Scripture as the basis for everything that you believe about the world? Um, And the logical response to that is that's really the only way that any any of us can know anything to be absolutely true is if it is um, revealed to us by God who is eternal infinite, not restricted, Mm -hmm. all knowing there's nothing that he doesn't know that's out there floating around that could undo everything. Um, Only good, you know, not deceptive that he wouldn't lie to us. We can trust what he says. Never changes. Mm -hmm. His word never changes. He never changes. None of these attributes are going to change. These are all things that are crucial for what is revealed to us to be true. Mm -hmm. So logically, we have the upper hand but they'll come to us and say, "How could you start with scripture? right? And they You're don't silly. realize that they're standing on thin air. Yeah, it doesn't matter like how much they have a b c, d e, f g h i j k. Mm-hmm. they they're at some point they're standing on thin air. There's mm-hmm. a base presupposition that's informing everything else. Mm-hmm. and all of those a, b, c, d e, f g that is all um that is all influenced by whatever presuppositions influence the way that that person was handling the evidences or reporting the evidences or it, you know, nobody, we have the upper hand. Yeah. I don't want to say nobody, but they, there's so many accusations, uh, directed at us that are really only properly directed back at the unbeliever.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause you can go back. I mean, my kids are, I, getting them in the habit of, because I am very new to apologetics, mm-hmm. like so new, like I'm not even at like Jeff Durbin level. I'm like literally went out and bought like Mama Bear Apologetics, which is like the kindergarten version of what you're <laughs> saying right now. Cause I'm like, I didn't learn any of this um, at all. And I'm very new to, to that. Um, but uh, is asking the phrase, how do you know? And so, you know, when the scientists say we're, you know, a billion years old or whatever the current number we're up to now, it's like, how do you know? Well, based on this, well, how do you know that? Well, that's based on this. Well, how do you know that? Whereas the Christians, well, how do you know that God created the heaven and the earth? Ash, how do we know? Mm -hmm. Well, we from scripture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like we actually have like something authoritative and they don't.
0: And and it makes the most sense. This isn't why we mm-hmm. believe, sure. but it doesn't hurt that everything in Scripture makes perfect sense out of what we experience and what we see in the world every single day. Mm-hmm. The, the more that I live as a believer, the more that I see that. Mm-hmm. But what is... Co- like. Um, And this is something that Jeff Durbin says or a presuppositional apologist will say is Mm -hmm. that, you know, the unbeliever is standing on the Christian worldview in order to make truth claims because it assumes the absolute truth exists, Mm -hmm. um, tell you that you're wrong, morally wrong to do X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm.
1: Where do they get the morals from? Where do they get the moral Mm -hmm. standard?
0: Even engaging in the conversation at all displays that they think the absolute truth can be achieved, Correct. that the uh-huh. pursuit of it is worthwhile, mm-hmm. that the words that we're saying mean out of our mouths yeah. mean something, that they're not a brain in a vat mm-hmm. hallucinating everything. They believe that reality is objective. All of these things are are contingent upon the existence of the God of Scripture. Correct. And they they stand on all that in order to come to you with their what? Nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, it's—they um, they say like—they say— to be like Jeff Durbin says. Jeff Durbin says. Jeff, <laughs> but it's it's, it's yeah. such a good resource. We're so yeah. we're so blessed. Um, uh, but that you know they sit in the lap of God to slap His face. Yeah. And um, that it's just we shouldn't be ashamed mm-hmm. to profess Christ as Lord. Absolutely, mm-hmm. we should not be ashamed to say I am one hundred percent certain. I'm one hundred percent certain. And there are times that, you know, life has been hard and I have felt like it would just be easy to walk away, Mm -hmm. but I can't. Like, I know I can't. Mm -hmm. There's no turning back for me. Mm -hmm. There's no way that I can unknow what I know. And of course, the Lord can let go of me at any point, you know, if I—I'm not saying that He will, but I'm just saying— Yeah. This is all based on him. It's not like I've attained some knowledge that, like, I'm with my own strength right, holding onto that on you tapped to. into. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, like, there's the testimony and the witness of the Holy Spirit that I belong to Him, and that's a very real thing. I don't. I believe that I belong to the Lord, mm-hmm. um, and and I I don't know how I ever could turn back, how I ever could unknow the things I know. And once you once you study the scriptures and once you believe these things and see it manifesting in the world, not in a mm-hmm. woo way, but just like you see all these things playing out in the world and it makes so much sense. You're like, this is true reason. Mm-hmm. Like how do they not see it? Right. Like how could somebody not see this right. and be like, this makes perfect sense. It's insane, mm-hmm. but their minds are darkened. They've right. been handed over mm-hmm. and Lord willing, God will pull them out of it by your, by your witness to him, by your testimony or the witness of somebody else. Um, testimony to the gospel and the Lord, not just your own personal little salvation story. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's not what saves people, y'all. That's not but what saves people.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm just rambling. I'm like, no. You said you were going to be spicy, and I'm like,
1: no. This is so good. I knew this. See, this as totally up Ash's alley, and I'm loving every minute of it. I have big it.
0: feelings. You <laughs> have big
1: feelings about yeah, pre stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be a good, going to be a good episode. I hope so. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I like talking about this stuff. But yeah. I'm such a novice. But, I mean, um, you know, it's just we have every reason to be confident and we mm-hmm. have every reason to feel confident. All right, so before we wrap up this episode, we thought one really good um, foundational thing to talk about would be how this, how this view or how this pursuit of neutrality, mm, no, how the myth of neutrality can infiltrate The way that we function in our personal lives, um, the way that we view the Lord in his relationship to the things that we do. Um, One thing that I think that we tend towards as a culture and as a church is separating the spiritual and the secular, Mm. even in our own lives, Mm -hmm. and kind of um, compartmentalizing what activities we do that Mm -hmm. are Christian Mm -hmm. and what activities we do that are worldly. Well, this is just for me. Yeah. This is just some gray area where I do these things that are not theological. Mm -hmm. Or we have this idea that, you know, the Lord really cares about these things that are pretty clear in scripture, Mm -hmm. but there's all these other things I do where he doesn't really care. Like what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, any of those things, And um, one thing I wanted to start with is I don't—so I I don't believe that the Lord is neutral in regards to anything that we do. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is, like we talked about earlier, our worldview is going to impact everything that we do. What we believe about reality, what we believe about the Lord, um, what we believe about truth, what we believe about morality. Um, Mm -hmm. All of those things are going to influence fundamentally, literally everything everything that we do, everything we learn, everything we pursue. Um, and so even if on the surface some activity could be fairly harmless and seemingly neutral, there's always that undergirding motiva- motive and feeling and worldview, and all of that matters to the Lord. The way we do things matters. So um, yeah, I kind of wanted to push that in. What do you think, Kristen? Um
1: I don't know if that's a misapplication of the scripture, but go oh, away. There, sorry, I had a little thing pop up. A misapplication of the scripture, but one thing that I kept popping into my mind as I was thinking about how neutrality or the myth of neutrality creeps in just to our just entertainment or even to like how we dress ourselves. Like clothes are neutral. Like there's not you know um, the things that we take joy in. Um, our recreation, all of that. And so the scripture kept popping into my mind about freedom in Christ, Mm because you'll hear that. Like, I'm free in Christ to do blah, 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 blah. I'm free in Christ to do, 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 do," you know, whatever it is that we're doing. Um, So this scripture verse is found in Galatians 1. um, And then I'm going to jump down to 13. Because so if we come in with a presupposition that nothing is neutral, right? Um, that the things that we do can't can't be neutral. Here's kind of the proof text for it. For freedom in Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of flavor, slavery. Slavery. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Again, to the yoke of slavery. Okay, so you're either in Christ mm-hmm. or you are, you know, uh, a slave to sin. Okay, so there, there's no neutral ground there. Jumping down to verse thirteen, it says, "For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Okay, don't use it as an opportunity to sin. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word: that you shall love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that it may not. Cons- that you are not consumed by one another." By one another. So even in our freedom, we aren't to like, it's not just this neutral place. There's commands that we are given in that freedom to do. And there's an admonition like, don't fall back into slavery, don't fall back into sin, don't do works of the flesh, but do works of Christ. And um, yeah, so when we look at what we entertain ourselves with, um, and another verse that popped into my head was like Philippians 4, 8. Like, what are we supposed to focus our mind on? Um, you know, we're supposed to focus our mind on whatever things are pure and noble and true and of good report, and and on and on, like that scripture says. Um, so not even our mind, like, there's just no neutral, there's no neutral ground. Like, you're either in Christ or you, you're you a slave to Christ or you're a slave to sin. Like, that. that those are two very different islands <laughs> that you're gonna find yourself on and so interpreting the what you find entertaining or um yeah interpreting that in light of those two scriptures I hope will help you I know it, it helps me understand what how can I rightly order my entertainment like what what sh- what sh- what should I be doing um I don't know if that's helpful but those are the, the two things that kept popping into my mind, um, in regards to the method of neutrality of, in yourself and the things that we can preoccupy ourselves with is that that argument is oh freedom in Christ freedom right. in Christ freedom in Christ. Right. Right. And
0: and that comes from this view that like um, and we I know we've kind of beat this horse before, and we're just going to keep beating it. But um, it comes from this view that the law of God is um, a a heavy yoke to bear Mm -hmm. and that it's a thief of joy Mm -hmm. and not a a bringer of joy. Mm -hmm. And um, I know we've said this in the past, and I want to be careful because we've talked about joy too, and joy comes from the Lord. It's not that, like, this legalistic – obedience, rigid obedience just to God's laws is, is the thing that's going to bring you joy. But um, walking in the right way and seeing the fruit and the blessing that comes from that and feeling like there's right walking in alignment with the Lord, like walking with the Lord. That's how yeah. we walk with the Lord. Right. We agree with his law. Yeah. <laughs> we agree with his law. We agree with his lordship and we, we come underneath that and it's a comfort and a, and a pleasure. So- um. Yeah, it just comes from this wrong view of the law of God. And it seems overwhelming for us to acknowledge all of the things that belong to him because it's literally everything. Yeah. Like when I do the dishes, I need to have him in my mind. Mm-hmm. When I serve breakfast, when I listen to music, when I— sit down to watch Little House on the Prairie right now. That's the <laughs> best show ever. I'm way late to the game on that. But anyways, all of those things, I need to be doing those things with him in mind. And I'm, mm-hmm. I need to be doing those things checking my heart. And that's a lot. Yeah, And we're not going to do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. There's no, you really could. I mean, I think there's this um, right notion of like, you could drive yourself crazy. And you could, and you could Mm -hmm. get really down on yourself Mm because you're going to fail at every turn, you know, and, um, and so we shy away from it and we say, well, no, just going to have my prayer time and have my Bible time and go to church and that's it. And otherwise all these things, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have to, you know, but there's, there's this treasure in, um, in pushing to incorporate more of that into our lives Mm -hmm. and to, um, not treat anything as neutral and to really acknowledge like all of this I need to be seeing through the lens of scripture. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so I just, I think one, one of the ways that we, as women that we have believed this myth of neutrality is that, you know, there are things that are sacred and there are things that are secular. And that's what the world would say. You can have your religion, mm-hmm. just don't be too serious about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too much. You don't want to right. be that person. Right. Um, and that's what she said to you. And I love who was it? Was it Knox that was like, when she was like, Are you a real are you super religious? And he yes. was like, You mean a Christian? Yeah. Like, this is just normal <laughs> yeah, Christian stuff, normal. going to church yeah. and you know, all of these things. So, um <laughs> and the other thing I thought of in regards to neutrality is that we we can slip into this um, almost like moral neutrality and a wrong view of the freedom in Christ and grace and all of those things by saying, um, you know, I'm going to study the scripture and I'm going to make conclusions about what the law of God means and how it should be applied. And then I'm going to treat it as though, you know, that's just my truth. Mm -hmm. And you you know right if if somebody you know so i want to be careful how i say this but the unbelieving world would say how dare you mm-hmm. say that your version of morality is right because that means that mine is wrong right or how dare You're you like, say that your yes. your religion is true because that means logically that mine is wrong so it's like i'm not encouraging anybody here to go and read the bible figure out how to apply it to your life and then go police all your friends mm-hmm. absolutely not Right. No. No. In most cases, I would probably say, mind your business. Mind your business, and you'll meet the person in heaven, and the Lord will will have worked it out will have worked for it you, out. so you don't Absolutely. have to. Absolutely. Yeah. So none of this is to say, you know, like, all the Baptists need to go to your Presbyterian friends and try to convince them not to baptize their babies. Or, like, all all the head-covering ladies, like, go and bring all your bonnets to your friend, or I don't know. <laughs> I I head cover, I'm not, I don't wear a (laughs) bonnet, but, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not encouraging that. But at the same time, we can be really offendable, Mm -hmm. and we can also be really afraid to push back against that offendableness. Mm -hmm. So if you say, you know, well, I do X, Y, Z. And your friend says, do you think that I am in sin for not doing X, Y, Z? Right. Right. Well, you could say, well, no. I just think that the Lord personally spoke to me, mm-hmm. and you know, or you could say, well, logically, yeah, that kind of follows. But you know, like trust yeah. your husband, right. right? The word of God, right? Talk to your pastor if you're concerned, mm-hmm. you know. But it's okay to say, yes, I think, yeah, this, yeah I think, yeah. It, because because logically, if it's sin for me, mm-hmm. in most cases, it depends. There are certain right. things where you'd be like. You know, I personally feel like the Lord doesn't want me to do this because it's a character issue with me. Like, I am having a hard time holding my tongue, so I feel like I need to—that's different. Mm -hmm. But, like, baptism is a really good way to say this. And I've seen this in a lot of threads online Mm -hmm. where, you know, baptism becomes a really heated issue, especially in mom's groups, because it becomes personal. Right. And I know, like, very— I know me- I have many friends who are Baptists who would say that they believe that I'm in sin mm-hmm. for baptizing my children, and there are many Baptists that I would say I believe that you're in sin for not giving your child the sign of the covenant. And I don't mean that in a malicious way, but that's okay. Right? That's okay. At the bo- right. at the end of the day, we're all sinful. Even if you have like the letter of the law right, I bet your spirit's wrong or you might have the spirit right and the letter wrong. There's something in us that corrupts literally everything that we touch. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't be so easily offended at the notion that we might be in sin Mm -hmm. for not fully meeting the requirements of the law. No one's going to fully meet the requirements of the law, and that's why we need Jesus to come. And, you know, I think baptism is one of those big ones, but that same thought, that same mentality can kind of trickle in where we're willing to say, well, the law is neutral because I don't want to offend anybody or the law needs to be neutral because you better not offend me. Right. And what kind of, what kind of world is that to live in? How are we iron sharpening iron? Like we need to really believe the scriptures that you cannot fulfill the law perfectly Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the law changes, right? Or you shouldn't try. Or you shouldn't try. You don't mm-hmm. have to fulfill the law perfectly in order to hold it up before someone. Mm-hmm. Or what would none of us would talk about the word of God, right? None of us obey it perfectly, even when we agree on the the letter, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I've it's just something that I've seen quite frequently, and I think it's really important that we be careful, um. Not to be so rigid that we're that we're writing things in that aren't there, clearly. Mm-hmm. But if there is something where you're, you know, like um, yeah, if you, there's something where your interpretation leads you to a conclusion that you feel really certain about, it's okay to say you're certain. It's all right. Being don't be a jerk about it. <laughs> but it's okay to be certain. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I wouldn't go like try to evangelize everybody on that point. Mm-hmm. especially if you're a lady, like go talk to your husband first and your pastor. Yeah. Especially, oh, don't be that person that goes into your church and like causes wreaks havoc with your, with your How little, come
1: nobody's wearing
0: head coverings. Little rules. Pastor, I have something to say to you. <laughs> yes. I know. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's just, yeah. And this is something that has been on my mind for a really long time. And so I think it's just, it's a good thing for us to remember. Um, are there any other ways that you think just. <sighs> no,
1: I think that's, I, I think that's really great what you were just saying. And because we have a lot of like mixed, like Baptists and Presbyterian, like just in our, like my and my husband's circle of friends, like they take on that offense of like, well, are you saying that I, and I, I think my husband has a really, and I'm gonna butcher it, but he has a really like nice and gentle response to people who are just like, well, are you saying that I might be in sin or that I am not going to a faithful church or whatever? And you know, he's just like, he's like, well, after studying and reading scriptures, I would be a very inconsistent, um, you know, Presbyterian if I read that but agreed with, you know the confession the westminster confession and then like went to go be baptist he's like so i'm i am living my convictions and i feel convicted o- over this yeah. um yeah so i would encourage you to do as 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 i have and that is to study right. and that's to study um it, yeah and it's something that i personally I'm, I'm not going to try to convince you to be a presbyterian like I, we're all gonna get to heaven, like Baptists, presbys we're, we're all gonna be there, right, and we're all gonna like be there not because we're Baptists or not because we're Presbyterian, but because Jesus saved us, right And yeah, you should study and study people and really make sure that what you're what you believe and what you hold to and is is truth
0: mm-hmm. right, yeah. yeah. I I mean any any time you make a truth claim the opposite is obviously right implied there. implied yeah. as false. Uh-huh. And that's okay. Yeah. And we have to be comfortable with that. And I love what um Rebecca and Rachel have said that um you know, sin we need to take sin seriously, yes, but we also can laugh at it in a way. Mhm. Not in a sacrilegious way, sure. but in a like all right dude. Yeah. You're being like, you know, right. a fussy pants. You're being like mm-hmm. full of pride or anger mm-hmm. or whatever. I They they have the cutest little, I don't, I can't mm-hmm. do that. But anyways, you know, Um but the Lord died for that. Mm-hmm. And sin is not a danger to us mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So we can address it and we can let it go and move on. Mm-hmm. Right? We yeah. don't have to, it doesn't have to be this big thing. And so for us to say like, you know, we're sinners. Yeah. We're not, I'm, can I get the law wrong? I'm sure. Sure, my theology is not airtight. Sure. Sure of it. I'm sure there are people who listen to us on <laughs> some husband somewhere that are like, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> go go talk to your pastor. Believe what he says. But, you know, yeah, I think it's, it's a good thing to remember. Um, all right. So we actually had planned on fitting in a whole bunch more into this episode, but we are running out of time. So we're going to skip over to our next episode and we're going to talk about different ways that the myth of neutrality has crept in, um, in regards to education and relationships and, um, politics and all kinds of things. So until then,
1: go love God, go love your husbands and go love your kids.